RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. Kevin Moran is the coordinator of Save Our Springs, a local community group in Golden Bay that took part in the court case seeking the highest level of protection for Waikoro Pupu Springs. And uh, Kevin is with us here at Reality Check Radio. Welcome, Kevin. Great to have you on our program. Thanks for coming in. Great to be there with you, Paul. Yeah. I've got a feeling that um, you're kind of feeling good about this. I am feeling good. It's been a it's been a, a long, hard battle to get to the point where we've had this incredible win. And when I say we, it's not just Save Our Springs. There's an iwi involved and scientists and, and many, many groups. And, and there's a huge movement across New Zealand to protect Te Waikorapupu Springs. And it's it, it's a win for the springs themselves as well. <laughs> a win for the springs. Of course. Um, okay, well, give us a bit of backstory here, a bit of history. Uh, I think that most people are aware of these springs. It's like the clearest water in the country. Have I got that right? Yes, clearest springs in the country. Yeah. Um, and I think I might have been there um, in earlier years. Uh, it's all a bit hazy now. We're going back uh, decades. But I think people know it well. So, okay, um, what was the problem? What was the threat? And tell us about this case and what it means. I know that's quite a stretch, but off well, you go. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll leap anyway. So the Tewakorapupu Springs are, are the, the biggest springs in the country, the clearest. They've got amazing blue water. They've got the biggest amount of water. Uh, they're just fantastic. Uh, around about 100,000 people visit them every year. Um, and so, and they're, they're deeply sacred to the Maori people. So, um, yeah, so what has happened uh, over the, since about 2017, uh, 16, the, the nitrate levels at the springs have risen. And that's become a concern because they could uh, cause the uh, the little creatures, what they call stegofauna, and they live in the in the aquifer and help clean it. They could uh, they could kill them because they are allergic to high, high amounts of nitrate. Right. And, and you know, and this this nitrate is coming from farms, and that was a big element of the court case. Um, the Tasman District Council and the farmers were saying, "Well, it's not us, you know. It's not, it's not the farmers. It's coming off the hills," which was patently, obviously wrong. But still, you know, we had to defend against that and and prove that it was coming off the farmers. We had a very good uh, commissioner, uh, part of the court team, who just worked the whole thing out, just exactly where it was coming from. And um, and that was a major turning point in the in, in the uh, in the whole court case that um, the court was very clear that the increase in nitrate levels was coming from farming practice as farmers intensify their farming. Well, that would be obvious, wouldn't it, uh, Kevin? I mean, coming off the hills, really. Off well, well, yeah. I mean, it does the rain comes off the hills and then it floods down into this giant aquifer underneath the valley. It, most people look at when I, I talk to lots of people about this, and they say it's a no brainer. And you'll see it's obvious, and it actually is. But then you go into a court, and then the opposition uh, kind of starts bringing up just uh, very strange theories. Yeah, how, how, did they, how did they argue that one, Kevin? Just curious, because obviously nature does not input necessarily, could be wrong here, 
but uh, the way, um, from my primitive knowledge, doesn't suddenly dump a whole lot of nitrate on the hill, which washes down. It, it has to be inputted, and it's obvious that that farming practices are the, the, by a long shot, most likely way that happens. So so what, what happened was that the, the Tasman District Council and the farmers um, attempted to prove that like 80% of the of the nitrate that was reaching the springs was uh, was coming from the hills. Now there is some nitrate that comes off hills. It's a natural part of um, of, of hills that comes out of. Well, Broome. they would have always been there, though, right? From time immemorial. In that case, spot on. It's always been there, and um, so and and you can tell because you go right up to the tops of these the the, the local rivers. And the amount of nitrate is is minuscule in the rivers where they start, and then they cruise down through the farming area, <laughs> and all of a sudden the nitrate cruise. Yeah, boy, <laughs> big surprise there. Not yeah, big surprise, and, and then it gets to the springs, and, and it, it's was it's a very simple thing, but they fought tooth and nail. And when, when, you said the farmers and the council, so the council were on board with the farmers, were they? Look, look. That technically they're kind of different parties and, and yeah but they were they both thought to rise to raise the nitrate levels um, even higher than what they what they were you know and so um, they, 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 they worked hand and glove together I, I don't you know I don't know if they discussed their cases together but somehow mysteriously they were always aligned I can understand the farmers I can understand them you know staunchly protecting their patch, even if they're sort of like bending it a bit. But I don't understand necessarily the uh, council because I thought they were there for the people fundamentally. Uh, that's a good theory. Uh, in in <laughs> fact, <laughs> they, but, uh, but just at a political level, um, the, the, the councils are elected. And um, and then places like the Tasman District Council, there's quite a lot of farmers. The last few right. years have been farms, yeah. farmers, and kind of there's this uh, many farmers in there, and they are they are protecting farming interests. So that that's not just happening in Tasman District; it happens no, up in the yeah yeah. So that that was going on. There was a bias in in the. Um, in the in the Tasman District Council towards protecting the um, the farming community, they weren't there for the people and they weren't there for the environment. You know, they were there for the farmers. Despite always probably claiming that they are, I would imagine. <laughs> You're right on to it, mate. Yeah, no, lock, stock, and barrel. You know, they right from the beginning that they they said we really want a a um, a water conservation order. We think it's a marvelous thing, and and we, we support it. Then they went they went hand in glove and to try and destroy the thing, you know, to um oh, to wreck it or to actually, if you like, take the fangs out of it. So it just it was a useless piece of paper. That's what they tried to do. And we were told, um, Catherine Delahunty, the Green ex Green MP, had a good talk to us before it all started and said that's what they will do. They will try and defang it. They'll try and make it useless and palatable, a beautiful piece of paper which means nothing. And that, that's exactly what happened. Okay. Well, it's um, good that you had the heads up, <clears throat> excuse me, the heads up on that. All right. But you over, 
came that, and I guess that's a you know long story short story, but um, that that didn't fly for them. That strategy. No, no, it didn't. There were there were a couple of things that were instrumental in um, in 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 winning the case. I mean, proving that the, it was coming from the farms was a big one. The the, the nitrate. Um, oh, so you actually all... did prove that. Sorry to jump in, but um, so so you actually conclusively proved that um, uh, in in terms of a court to the level of the court, right? It, absolutely, it was it, it was proved, and I mean there was a going back and forwards, two cases were made. In the end, one of the commissioners looked at it very closely and said, no, nah, no, nah, it's coming from the farms. And, you know, so there, there it went, yeah. Do you know how much the council spent on their legal costs? It would be horrendous. I mean, it's a really good co- – it's a really, really good uh, question, Paul. I mean, I wouldn't have a clue, but they, yeah. lots of lots of council time – it wasn't just the environment court. There was a special hearing before that. They've been doing it for years and basically slowing down the water conservation order and defanging it. And quite frankly, I fear we're going to end up in a situation where the same people who um, who the court is, has really criticised the, uh, the management of the court case and the management of the springs, and uh, those same people are going to be left to uh, administer the, oh, the water concert. So, you know, so it's kind of like, it's like Jaws 2. <laughs> <laughs> so, it it wasn't know. as good as Jaws 1, by the way. No, no. Jaws 1 was pretty good and we won that, you know. Yeah. But Jaws 2 is kind of like, um, you know, it's kind of like the monster returns. It, it kind of feels like that at the moment, um, right at the moment. And we're, we're gearing up, you know, to continue our campaign and working with others to, um, to ensure that the water conservation is implemented. And we've, we're trying to talk to the council, but so far we haven't had any response from them. Well, they'd be a bit hurt, wouldn't they? A bit, what do they call it, butt hurt that they lost? I think they are. And yeah. I think I think they, yeah. I mean, they really got caned. And, um, right. And, <laughs> just, they got a yeah, picture they of you on the wall somewhere, Kevin, and... and uh, or the, on a dartboard, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right now, one of those little dolls, you know, voodoo yeah, dolls. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're sticking pins in right now as we're talking. Okay, yeah. so that was the, the nitrate argument one. Um, but also, um, I think um, um, there's a spiritual dimension to this for Mari, and I guess anyone who kind of feels something uh, from that uh, extraordinary natural feature. How much did that... Um, have to do with with the decision as well. How much force did that bring to your argument? Well, I thought I think it brought a great deal, and it, it kind of just, in a sense, the other side. So that the other side's called the blue side, really, and we're the green side. So the blue side were okay with with it being spiritual that the for non Maori. Um, they and so. So the evidence came from the Maori people first, and the Maori people said this is a special place, and they had, a, they had experts in, and it was totally convincing. And the judge, they took no, 
it was never opposed. And it, so it, it's recognised as having outstanding spiritual characteristics. And, and what were some of those characteristics, just to be specific, just curious to know, interested to know, what were some of those? Obviously, it's incredibly clear water, but, you know, th- th- that's one thing. But what, what were yeah. the, the points that were made? There was a whole, and a little bit, I mean, I'll talk a little bit about it, but but I, the Maori people really should speak to themselves no, I understand, on this. I understand, yeah. And they they brought the experts in, and it's, that's a huge history that goes back, and there's a, a mythology. And I, when I say a mythology, I mean a living story or a true story around a tanifa called Huriawa who lives at the springs and, and cleans the springs. And so there's this... And way back, you know, babies used to go there and um, to be uh, when mothers gave birth, they would go there and they'd be washed in the waters. The waters are known by the Maori as Waiora, which is the highest category of water that, right. that Maori had. So it's just this unique place with, with a, a, a whole story around it um, and not just the little bit I've touched on with Hurihawa. It's yeah. interesting, isn't it, that... Um... Just thinking about that, that you know, uh, obviously that the the feature of these springs is the clarity of the water, um, yeah. and we acknowledge that now. But hey, humans aren't that much different. Hundreds of years ago, they also realised that it was really clear, and that it was special. It's interesting that that interests me. You know, that uh, continuity. It's some kind of continuity. Well, well, what kind of the evidence? Now, I gave. I gave expert evidence on um, the spiritual, outstanding spiritual characteristics for uh, for non Maori, and that evidence was accepted by the court. And as a consequence of that, um, it, it's become it's the only place in New Zealand which has outstanding spiritual characteristics for both um, Maori and um, Pakeha. Wow! So. No, there's nowhere else. It's in, it's in law. Yeah, and, um, it's in law. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so it's just it's a it's it's creating precedence. It's it's a whole new thing, and um, so in that case, it was very very special. And you're right. It's the purity of the waters. The blue coloration comes into it. It's the upthrusting of the water. The bubbling and and all these things are, um, yeah, they all contribute in, in the beautiful setting. And, and the court itself said, I provided this evidence. And um, among it, you know, like I said, you know, what people have always gone to springs. You know, all over Europe, there are springs. Yeah. And there's, there's yeah. a feminine there, and it's a healing place. And whether it's an island where my ancestors come from, um, and, and once upon a time there were springs, and, and Mary was there, and Mary was healing people. But my pagan ancestors further back, well, they had their own stories about it. And and it was always a feminine presence. And it yeah. was all right. power. And I think that's the way it is with Te Wakorapupu. Um, wherever you come, there's something. We humans, because we're made of water, without water we die. Yeah, so there's some sort of connection that's hard to put your finger on, natural connection to springs. And the sort of yes. upward welling of water, and it's sort of coming from, you know, inside the earth. All those kind of points, right? Source. It comes out of the darkness. 
and, yeah. and well up into clarity. It's almost like consciousness itself, which is somehow down in the darkness. Um, it's it sort of in the, in the darkness of, of, of the human soul, deep down, and then it comes up and it becomes it comes to clarity. Yeah, that's us. a really good way of thinking about it. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, do we know why the water is so clear? Obviously, there's some sort of filtering process. There'll be a scientific reason for it, but yeah. um, um, that's, yeah. that's a, yep, we do know. Um, that's a really so you've nailed it there. It's, there is a filtering process. So the water goes in brown, and you can see it up the tops when it's all going in. It just it's all kind of leaf mold and stuff, and it all just goes in its, in its brown where it goes in, and it comes out crystal clear. So there's a process going on in the aquifer, and it's it takes about 10 years for most of the water to go through that fil filtering process to get from the, the top, you know, right down to where it comes out at Te Waikora Pupu Springs. So 10 years of filtering through layer after layer after layer, and that has, that's part of the process. But the, the other amazing thing is there's these tiny creatures in there, and the scientists call them stegofauna, and they are utterly amazing. I mean, there's a living system in there. The Maori people call that huriawa, but the scientists call it stegofauna. But it's alive. There, yeah. is, a, there is a living thing, and they, they chomp away at all the, all the mold and the, and the, and the grey stuff in there, and, they, and they're all blind. Everything's blind down there. And um, there's just there are tiny little creatures there that have been there for who knows how long, and 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 they'll be unique in there. They're actually unique to anywhere else in the world. So and they're part uh, of that that process of of yep. of clearing out the yep. well, the debris, yep. the yep. micro debris from the water. Yeah. All yes. Yeah. They eat it. <laughs> they eat it. And 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 it's just a. Um, we had an expert, Graham Fenwick from Christchurch. He came down. He said he's an expert on stegofauna and water, and and he gave strong evidence that um, that that stegofauna do clear clean aquifers, and that wasn't known at the beginning of the um, at the beginning of the, of the uh, protection movement. To, oh, to, okay. It's it's only become recently. Um, maybe over the last five or ten years, it's become the, the, the scientific community has said, yes, that's how it happens. That's how the clear water, it's tiny little creatures cleaning the water. It's amazing. Yeah, it is. And, and of course, they hate nitrate. You know, they hate nitrate. There's, and that's, that's uh, um, and it, it took, we don't know how much would kill them. Um, we know they don't like it, you know, too much of it. So part of the water conservation order, we was to exercise the precautionary principle so you don't just keep piling up the nitrate level and, and kind of think, oh, whoops. Yeah, and wait for the water to go cloudy and go, okay, we've gone over. <laughs> exactly. So you've got to, you've got to, you know, it's, it's don't rush in. You know, step back, be careful, because if you muck it up, you could lose those waters. Well, that sounds like the slam dunk on the nitrate argument, right, is the, um, what do you call it, stigo fauna. The um, threat, threat to them would fundamentally change the, you know, the 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 natural um, uh, clarity of the water. So that that sounds like a slam dunk win on that argument. Yeah, it was, and there's not there's there was also um, another probably an even stronger argument um, for the amount of uh, oxygen in the water. 
um, and that has to be high. And and if it, if it drops down too much, um, again, the little fellas down there, even though they're blind and living in darkness and never see oxygen as we see it, they need oxygen in that water. And there is a danger um, with the pollution in there that that would affect um, the the oxygen level as well. It's, so it's a twin thing. Either one of them or both of them together could could utterly spell disaster. I mean, one thing people don't know is there are hot spots. Um, so if, if there's a, a certain level of um, nitrate, say, at Te Waikarapupu, under the farms, it's about 10 times greater. And and so, because all you can imagine all the cowpea going in there and, 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 and uh, yeah. nitrogen fertilizer just drifting down. So that it's actually hot, it's hotter in there. And they... There is a danger that those hotspots can spread and contaminate other other caverns, and so it's just you know. So it's really been important to get in there and uh, to stop uh, to, to to stop the pollu- the um, the high level of pollution and to cut it down a bit. You know, so that's yeah. what's happening. It's, yeah, yeah, it's going to be cut back down from where it is now, which is about 0.5, down to about. Yeah, about 0.41 or under that a bit. So it's it's a, it's a quite a big leap down, about 20%. Yep. Now, <clears throat> I believe that um, this protection kicked in, was it um, last Thursday? So very <laughs> recently. Um, yep. And it's um, like you have been telling us a long battle, 10 years. So what does that highest level of protection um, mean? Well, you know, it means that. Yep. It just means it's got the, the same sort of protection as the, the national parks get, like Fieldland and, and, and places like that. It's got the, the highest level of protection we can offer. And, and at a practical level, it, um, the court has actually decided to uh, protect the outstanding characteristics of Te Waikorapupu Springs, which right. means they've decided to bring that nitrate level down. And that's the first time they've done that, that there is a precedent there. Normally normally it's when a nitrate, uh, when a water conservation order comes in, um, becomes public and, and is gazetted, like happened last Thursday, then um, the level is set at the, at the level of the, um, on that day, you know, on, that, on that day. Right. But the court decided, no, we need to be precautionary. We need to protect this at the outstanding clarity that, that the amount of water, we need to really push that level back down. And they've done that. And they've made a uh, an obligation for the the Tasman District Council to, um, to work with the farmers and provide them guidance in order to get that nitrate down. Boy, that's... <laughs> <laughs> are they going to enjoy that? <laughs> oh, I don't know, mate. I I just um, yeah. I, well, considering love, the track record I, so I, far, I, look. What I'm hearing is is really some good noises, if you like, or some good. Um, the farmers, some of them are doing brilliant. You know, there's regenerative farming in there. There's one or two people in there that are really, really examples. You know, one particular guy in there is called Mark Manson. He's been a regenerative farmer for years, 
And um, if everybody farmed like him, there'd be no problem. Yeah, we've <laughs> talked to quite a few regenerative farmers already on this radio yeah. station, and it does appear that um, their method um, kind of uh, addresses these issues. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so but some of them are, and some of them are saying, you know, and I, there's a couple of them I've spoken to, and they're, I mean, it's word of mouth, but I, I really believe that they are working hard to um, to get the nitrate down. There's a few that are kind of thinking, we're going to do it, we're going to do it. And then there's, there's a little group in there that I think, I don't know if they're ever, we're ever going to shift them. You know, it's, it's kind of like, they, they may not get on board. And what do you do about them? Because you're going to get a, one group that are actually getting the nitrate down and another another group that are kind of, you know, keeping it up and, and, and going to slow the whole process. And I, I guess the farmers have got to talk that around among themselves because it's just not fair on the good farmers who are getting the nitrate down and the, and the well, let's say, bad or poor farmers who are just polluting away, polluting away and not changing. So... Yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully peer pressure can do its thing there. Um, yep. Is it possible to, you know, um, swim or dunk yourself in these springs? Uh, not anymore. Um, probably about about twelve years ago, there was that um, they made a they put put a new platform there, and they built built in bought in regulations. Um, now, some of them were for cultural reasons, um, um, because the Murray people do not do not like people swimming in Tewakarapupu Springs. I mean, for because their waters to them are top. Well, are well, top. I wasn't actually thinking of swimming as such, but to you know, we talked about the kind of ancient uh, association with springs, and it's all about getting in them, isn't it? Really, so. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's kind of I mean I'm not being critical, but it's sad that that's not possible because that's the ultimate enjoyment yeah. of it. That's that's the crescendo of enjoyment. Unfortunately, I mean it just seems to be the way humans are that you allow people to perhaps dip and dip their feet in it or something. Next, someone's going to be they're going to be swimming in it, you know. So it's a it's it's a blanket um, order. There are some um, there are some important reasons for it apart from cultural reasons, and that's because um, there's Didimo in the Takika River, and you've just if people swim in the Takika River and then pop down to Tewaikarapupu, you know, or whatever, yeah. then dip in, you know, they, they could get Didimo in there, and that'd be an absolute disaster. So so Didimo is, 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 you know, that is part of the reason why people don't, uh, don't get in there. So uh, just go and look at it, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Paul, this is this whole. There's a, a marvelous story to this, and that the that the, the community, the Golden Bay community, and there were farmers, and there were iwi, and there were people up here. It's a marvelous community. People who are alternative people, lots of alternative people, and people from communities and stuff. They all got together and they said, "What do we want? And what do we want this this to be?" And they decided that they wanted it to be a place of contemplation, you know, a place where you could kind of go and just sit and look at these incredible, beautiful waters. And they, and they designed the walk so you could walk slowly down to the waters and it's it's quite deliberately designed. You don't see it before you get there. You come around a corner and there it is. And and what you're seeing is the sanctuary of Huiawa. This is the, this is the, the living being who um, the feminine presence of the waters. And 
so you're entering into into a century. I've I've actually written a book on this. Just, oh wow! But, okay. Yeah, and it's just a um, yeah, it's it'll be published in a few months, but it's based on the evidence that I gave. But it's this um, so it's 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 this coming to the special place, and it's all set up to do that. And, and that's why, you know, if you if you got that way, and say if you allowed people swimming in there or doing stuff, it, it, it would just spoil it for everybody because lots of people just like to go there and watch. Right. And look, and, you know, the busy world we have, mate, I don't know if it's up in the North Island, but even down here it can get a bit busy and a bit rushed around. And, well, and you, kind you, of, yeah, you do want to get away from the, um, you know, the, the all uh, – it's always there, the ever-present noise of the din of activity, you know. Um, uh, it, it, it never seems to go away. It's always there. So it's nice to get away from that. And a lot of a lot of us get caught up in just busyness and stuff. And, and it's nice to go somewhere which is special. And tell you why the Korapuku Springs is special. There's a quiet walk down. You, you begin, there's a, a, a Whaunui, which is – you know, a, a Maori meeting place. The whole of Tewaikorapupu Springs from the the entrance way where the, the Whorunui is, there's a touchstone in there, and um, the whole thing's a marae. The whole the whole area is a marae, and it's set aside so, you know, people don't eat food there. You know, so you don't, if you have your sandwiches, you have them in the car park before you go down. Yeah. But it's, it's set aside, you, you probably know, if you've um, your listeners for sure, many of them perhaps we know are people who um, have been on marais. There are certain things you don't you don't eat in in, in, the, in the actual marais itself. There are special places set aside where you eat. So it's it, it's a sacred place. It's it's tapu, very very sacred. Well, that uh, it's good to hear of a win, actually. Yep. In this day and age. Well, it's been hard yakka for the you know for the water protector movements up and down the country, and it's uh, it, it, it's a Pupu Springs is, is a bright shining light, and in so many of our waters, and I you know I went on a water protectors hikoi around the North Island in 2018. I visited all these places, I went around Waikato, I went around all these places where where there's just horrific pollution up the Waikato River. All over, I could just the water was just toxic in places, and and yeah, you know, and down in the down in the South Island now it's becoming where I where I was raised. It's just down in Canterbury, those aquifers down there are badly affected by the intensification of farming. Where there's there's just not the ability of the land to um, to support that amount of cows and and pollution. So the waters themselves are getting really sick. And, and people are getting sick down there. Yeah. yeah, okay. Well, it's been really interesting to hear how this has come together, the outcome, obviously, to hear that you and, you know, the, the folk in the area are kind of really happy with the outcome, and, of course, you would be. Is there anything you want to say before we wind up the chat, Kevin? Just a, a desperate thing I wanted to say, um, as you were starting, I could feel you starting to wind up, and I thought, hey, look, there's one thing I want to say to Paul. Yeah. And the, this, there was an incredible piece of community action, yeah. which actually was a key piece of winning it. And that's what happened was the, the Tasman District Council was doing an absolute crap job 
with its testing, and that was proved in the court case. Did they know and, that it was a crap job? Was it a crap job on purpose, or did they just were, were inadequate in the way they went about people, the testing method was wrong, and and that the, the answer was sitting right in front of them. They, they, they were, there was the, the the high likelihood is what, that there were acid on the on the caps of the of some of the um the testing material and they put the wrong caps on and that's oh. that's we get these huge spikes about every eight tests and and they and they kind of thought there was something incredibly wrong with the aquifer and they couldn't understand it and they were totally missing couldn't possibly be them <laughs> I didn't even think of it I don't think and then as soon as it got suggested by the lab that it was them oh no it wasn't us it must have happened in the lab and but anyway what happened was the Friends of Golden Bay are just local people. They got money together. They got volunteers, and they went and tested. And they tested weekly at the beginning for a couple of years, and then fortnightly. They're still testing, and they got this incredible data. And it was um, it's a so we finally knew what was going on, and they went right up the tops, and they tested where before that got to the farms, and they found that there's no pollution up there, hardly any. Then go through all the facts. They found all the side streams, and they made absolutely certain their testing method was tested by uh, water experts and found to be uh, just outstanding. And um, that evidence, that evidence just shot the council to pieces. It absolutely did, because then it showed where the pollution was coming from. It's coming from the farm. And that was just, that was a community thing. You know, Golden Bay has a great community and people just got together, found the money, did it. Yeah, that's that's good to hear. All right, yep. Kevin Moran, coordinator of Save Our Springs, the local community group in Golden Bay that um, have been, well, responsible uh, for a success in the court case seeking the highest level of protection for the Waikoro Pupu Springs. Thank you for coming on, Kevin. Fascinating listening to what happened there. My pleasure. Thank, thank you for the invitation. RCR with Paul Brennan. Reality Check. Re